0: If you have your Bibles, please open it to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 12 to 17 will be the text for us this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Verse 12. So I turned to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will the man do who will come after the king except what has already been done? And I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I know... That one fate befalls them both. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity. For there is no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool, inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten. And how the wise man and the fool alike die so i hated life for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous was grievous to me because everything is futility and striving after wind heavenly father we're thankful for your word the eternal word um, that of all things in the world that perishes your word reigns true um, your promises Everything that you've revealed will come to pass. Lord, may we set our hearts and our minds to the things above and to your word and not to the things of the world or things below. Uh, Be with us this morning as we study your word. Uh, May we uh, grow in our wisdom for you, Lord, and of you. Uh, Thank you for this time that we have in your son's name. Amen. Is life fair? And that's a relative term because it depends on how you define fair. The fall created an imbalance in all of the world or outside of the gospel and the scriptures. Nothing in life makes sense. Everything in the world has exceptions and loopholes and outs from the norm and things that happen in our lives that we don't want to happen and things that we don't want to happen in our lives happen. Life Is filled with things that do not add up. Some people in the world are born wealthy, and others are are work hard and they strive and they become wealthy. At the same time, there are those who are born poor, and no matter how much they work, they can't seem to work their way out of poverty. Is life fair? Again, that is a relative question, but death is fair. One thing that happens to the rich and the poor is that they will face death. Death is the ultimate equalizer. It is actually the only fair thing because it happens to everyone. Everyone receives and gets to die at some point in existence. This is what Solomon tries to highlight here. The preacher king here wanted to understand all that there is to, there is to know in life. He's like a child that's constantly asking why and why not. He sought to figure out all that there is to know in life, to find meaning and purpose. Solomon attempted to do everything, to own everything, and to think through everything. And sadly, his conclusion was that everything is vain. This was a day without the internet, so he, didn't, he couldn't Google life's biggest questions. But rather, he spent all of his time devoid of searching through God's word, to find meaning, he thought that the pursuit of wisdom could give him answers to life. And that's in chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. Then he thought maybe pleasure can give him the answers to life. And we see that's chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. But in both cases, he found that he couldn't find the answers to what he was looking for. What he sought for was something that he once knew during the early days of his reign. He knew that God is the answer, but he chose to keep questioning without willing to accept that the answer to every question that he had in life can only be found in God. When I, I'm an English major, and I remember I had to study all these different philosophers and thinkers, and there's a common thread to most of these individuals in that most of them end up killing themselves. So many of these artists and thinkers attempted to find meaning in their passions until they realized that their passions stopped giving them meaning. These great thinkers just simply ran out of questions, ran out of answers to their questions. Ecclesiastes as a whole, is this really long sermon, and the main point of this entire book is that everything is vain, so you need to fear the Lord. Every single argument that Solomon presents is designed to make you fear the Lord. Whether it is wealth, desire, hobbies, job, marriage, whatever you have, or whatever you want to have, if you pursue them without God, it is absolutely useless. And I trust that that's some of you. You're trying to find meaning in all that this world has to offer. You look for in your families, in your careers, in your hobbies, and even friendship within the church but you find yourself unable to have lasting peace the answer is actually far simpler than one is willing to admit or even imagine perhaps you are like that you think it cannot be this simple the answer can't be something that our our kids in our Sunday school sing every week the answer is Jesus it is that simple Yet surprisingly and interestingly enough, the simplest answer is often the most neglected. So if you want to get a, make sense of life, Solomon here is trying to make you think of the end. Think of the finality of life. Think of the end of your life. Solomon's conclusion about life will be the same conclusions that we will make in the end if we pursue life without God. The grave reality of life is to look to death and understand it so that you can live life to its fullest, and at the same time you can do that while fearing the Lord. So the first, we're gonna, we'll go through three points in our outline this morning. The first is going to be the equality in life. The equality in life, verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly, for what will the man do who will come after the kings of what has already been done? Solomon now puts his attention onto another part of his life. Solomon changes the subject. He now turns from passions and pleasures to wisdom and folly. After building upon that he, all that he said in the beginning, that he can find meaning in, in amusements and detachments and passions and gratification and status, he now focuses on wisdom. In some sense, wisdom is better than all there is in the world, Uh, but it's still useless because at the end, there's death. Death is the terminus of all things under the sun. No matter how much you have in this life, the end is that you will die. The different translations, I think, uh, could help give us understanding of what this text is saying. The, The NIV writes, what kind of a person it is who will come after the king in the matter of what has already been done. The ESV, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. What Solomon is trying to say is that he, the wisest king, cannot find meaning or significance. If he can't find it, then no one can. Solomon himself and every kind of, and every kind of king after him, not only in Israel, but all over the world, will eventually have to do exactly the same thing as Solomon. He ha- he will have to. Re- they all realize that there's a monotonous job of overseeing the citizens that uh, that they're in charge of. you have heard the phrase "heavy is a head of the crown." It's true that as it is an exhausting task to govern and rule over people. There's nothing new that the king will have to do. The future kings will have to face the same problems that Solomon has faced. Future kings not only will not be able to break away from this repetitive cycle but the future kings will not be able to have what Solomon has remember Solomon had a tremendous amount of wisdom he's saying that every future king will never be able to live up to his ability to reign over his people now, if you, if you read through the Old Testament, you understand that the king after Solomon is Rehoboam. Rehoboam was a foolish king. Instead of listening to wise counsel from older men, he decided to listen to his own peers. And it just caused more problems in the nation. And this is what Solomon's trying to get at. That every future king after him will not be able to keep up to him. In some ways, he's saying, Exhibit A, just look at my son. He failed as a king. Verse 13. And I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. Solomon acknowledges even though life is filled with meaningless, there's still something better in the sense of having wisdom. Wisdom is better than folly. Notice that he says, and I saw. The original text stresses this emphatic nature of his discovery. Life is hard for both, but it is less difficult for those that are wise. It is interesting because throughout this entire book, this is the first time Solomon speaks in the positive. There is some gain in this life when you obtain wisdom. If you were choose between the lesser of the two, choose the one that gives you a relative better outcome. Choose wisdom over foolishness because although both of them lead to the same end, with wisdom at least you can function through this life with a certain amount of pleasure and peace. Solomon realizes that with wisdom, even in in a fallen world, it can have some or little benefit. Having something is better than nothing. Having some light is better better than no light while you're in darkness. Having a job is better than not having a job, because at least you have some money as opposed to none. In the same logic, having some wisdom is better than no wisdom. Having something is better than nothing. Wisdom is is knowledge applied that helps people develop a skill set to live Wisely, to live skillfully. Solomon said it's better to have some wisdom so that you can live skillfully than to have no wisdom and to live life in misery. Mm-hmm. Verse 14 The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I know that one fate befalls them both. The wise person can live somewhat better because they know in their mind what is to come. Whereas the fool, tumbles around and has no clue what is going to happen to them. The fool just walks in darkness all their lives. The wise person has some ability to prepare for death, whereas the fool is surprised when death comes. And yet, you will die. Death was intended, was was introduced in the reality back all the way in Genesis. It is the ultimate effect of the curse, Solomon watches both the wise and the fool, and he realizes that both of them are going to die. Death is not a respecter of humans. Death doesn't choose sides. Death just happens to all, and we know that. Life doesn't promise its length, just that it ends. We, know, we don't know when or how, but we know that the sand, the hourglass of life, will run out. Solomon's aware that death will come. You cannot refuse it. You cannot reject it. It will come for all of us. The reality of death is what is so troubling for Solomon. It is amazing how much time we spent on the temporal and the worldly things, knowing that death is indeed the great equalizer. Solomon spent all of his time using his mind to engage all that the world has to offer, and eventually he realizes that he had to relinquish every single one of it. There are no negotiations with death. There's no treaty with death. Nothing can stop death from happening. I wonder if this is some of you. In your pursuit of the things in this life, do you realize that the things you pursue will eventually come to an end? How easy it is for us to be wrapped up with the assumption that there is even a next day and fail to recognize that eternity can only be mere seconds away. In James chapter 4, it tells us not to, not to think about tomorrow, but just worry, not even worry about tomorrow and just worry about today because there's enough problems for today. We can't assume that there is even going to be a tomorrow. In fact, not only that, when, when death comes, you can't take anything with you. Later on, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15, As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hands. And we see this in Job chapter 1 verse 21 and 1 Timothy 6-7. The same idea that you come into a world with nothing and you will leave this world with nothing. No amount of investment in this life will be made known in the next life. Now this isn't to say that you need to give up on life. But what it should tell us is that we need to have a realistic view of our lives. That it will end. Solomon pursued all that there is, and he's frustrated because he knows that death will come. You and I, when we pursue the things in this life, we can pursue it with joy and to his fullest because we know that we, can, that we have something better in the next life. Therefore, we must hold to things in this life with a soft grip. Christians understand that the totality of our existence is limited so that we can do all things for the glory of God. We should be able to do all things for, for the glory of God because we, can, we know that God has given us this life as a steward. We need to be a good steward of the things he's given us. We can do all things for him. No matter the toil, it will end. That's good for us because there's something better for us in the next life. We don't need to worry about the legacy that we want to leave behind because all of things will, will perish one day. So until then, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life under the fear of the Lord. Know that it will end. And don't think that the pleasures of this world is going to be better than the joys that we will receive in eternity. Not only does the equality of death or equality in life helps us with, with, to live life faithfully, that's pleasing to the Lord, but we also need to know that, the, that there's an end to all life. The end of all life is what makes us want to live life that is pleasing to the Lord. Our second point is that the end of all life, verse 15 to 16. Then I said to myself, as is the faith of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity. Solomon is asking, why did I even bother with wisdom? The wisest person cannot fix the greatest problem in life. Solomon realizes that everyone will have one last breath. Everyone's heart will stop one day, and everyone's days are numbered. There's no fountain of youth. There's no medicine to extend life. There's nothing in life that will stop death. There's nothing in life that can truly slow the effects either. No amount of vitamins or exercise or diet can truly make a person's life extend even an extra second. My wife and I used to watch this old sitcom, and there's this one particular episode that stood out to both of us. Uh, this character was a doctor, and he read in the newspaper one morning that there was a fellow doctor that died. And in the obituary, it's this, the way that this, they described this other doctor that died was almost exactly like the doctor that was alive. They had the same profession, they had the same hobbies, they were the same age. And he couldn't understand why this person is dead and why he is alive. So he decided to go do some investigation. He went to the funeral uninvited and started asking all the friends and family about him. And he went to figure out what was missing. And he figured out that this person wasn't completely like him. In fact, he was better than him. Uh, This dead person had a better diet. He was working out all the time. He ate everything right. He did what on the surface seemed like the right thing. And at the end of this episode, he couldn't fathom and couldn't find any the answers. And he felt discouraged. Death is the unwelcome visitor. Solomon wants to warn the reader that you can't do anything to stop death. It doesn't work with our logic, and it definitely does not work according to our timetable. Interestingly, Solomon doesn't speak of what he hates about death or even death itself. Rather, he says he hates life. He hates all, that, he hates all of life because of death. Death gains a victory because it happens to everyone without prejudice, and it makes those that are currently living hate their efforts in this life. All that he has done, all that he knows about this world will end and die with Solomon. If you think about all that Solomon knows, it's not recorded in Scripture. Even though the Scripture is inspired, he only recorded exactly what God wanted him to write down but there are probably things that he's learned in his life that he didn't write down. All that he learned dies with him. He concluded that all that he has done in this life is pointless because of death. The one that has absolute wisdom and the one that has no wisdom, the absolute fool, will both face death. In January 19, 2020, there was a. It was a monumental event for one of our members of our church. Our elder Sam Chan received this little block from Apple Computers for his 25 years working at the company. And this little block just was this little huge block with the Apple logo on it. Is a way to just say thank you for all your hard work. And this glorified doorstopper was just to show him and everyone and all the other employees of look at what a great employee looks like. Now if you compare him with all his time at Apple computers you compare to him to his youngest son Mark He's a little kid and you would say that he hasn't accomplished much in life because he's you know he's young he still has a lot of uh, life to live and but at this stage in his life he hasn't accomplished much in his life if Solomon was here and he was look at Sam and Mark he would tell them both that they have both wasted their lives because life is empty. Sam's great achievements, as valuable as it is right now, and Mark, who hasn't achieved much in life, is both empty. It is empty because of the inevitability of death. This is how Solomon feels after realizing where all of his own labors and pursuits from wisdom leads to. At the threshold of death, all that you acquired is useless. Solomon's already said that in chapter one, verse eleven. That there will never be any remembrance of previous things. And if no one, if, if all the things that people uh, worked on cannot have true lasting significance, then why pursue it? This is what Solomon is trying to get the reader to understand. Look at verse 16. For there is no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool. Inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten and how the wise man and fool alike die. Solomon says again that there's no lasting remembrance of anything that anyone has done. No matter the wise or the fool, death impacts everyone. But, you know, our world, their view of death is often shallow and even, contradict, even contradicts one another. There's this one guy that I found, Chuck Pelathnik. He said, we all die. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will and Woody Allen said, "He said this. I don't want. To, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I just want to achieve it by not dying. Outside of biblical authority, people will have no real answer for life and death. No matter the achievements or status, every everything will perish. Eventually, people will die, and everyone will forget your labors. Any type of legacy you want to leave behind." It will just take a generation or two, and eventually everyone will forget. No matter how much you've achieved in this life, people will eventually forget. I am incredibly thankful for the elders of this church, especially the older ones who will remain nameless. Uh, they are a treasure trope of wisdom to me. Uh, I have told some of the elders multiple times that they are not allowed to die until they reach a year of 120 years old, or they could die after I die. Um, it's selfish, I know, because I, I, I love them so much I love learning from them uh, There are things in life and situations where I realize I, I, don't know how, I don't have the answers to And I always rely on them to guide me and even to shepherd me through things But I know that at some point in life As much as I'm giving them this pastoral command to not perish until 120 or before, or even before I die I know eventually that death will come Death erases all possibility of learning from these great saints of old. Whatever advantage that I could have gained from them, from learning from them, eventually everything will be lost. All of the questions I have that they have answers to, questions I don't even know to ask, they might have the answers to, but with the moment that they've entered into eternity, I will not be able to learn that from them. Everything comes to an end. What is Solomon's point? that we will all die. The wise and the fool die because, the, because sin corrupts us all. No matter which extreme you fall under, you are still a sinner. A wise sinner in and of itself is not better than a foolish sinner. Both our sinners are headed to the same place. For as Christians, this isn't a call to switch sides, but truly consider your life and have a reality check on your life. A wise person should continue to grow in wisdom and use what they know to honor the Lord. But just remember that death will come and you'll, have, you'll be held accountable to all that you know. And for the fool, don't assume that ignorance is bliss. You can be a fool in this life, but be wise if you simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you want to make sense of your life, you must understand that your life is limited and it will end. By knowing that everything is going to end, you will truly go all out, even in, in every area of your life, for the glory of God. People tend to work harder when they know that there is a deadline. When there is a limited amount of time, people tend to work harder. Last year, I was the best man for, for, this, for my friend at his wedding, and it was a really dr- traumatic time for me because on the day of the wedding, he had to go to the hospital. I thought he was just having cold feet, but he had this legitimate heart issue, and it was two hours before the wedding, he was still in the hospital, and I was like asking him, hey man, are you okay? Do you want us to just bring the entire wedding party here? We'd get married here. And uh, I even asked the people in the hospital, hey, do you guys have a chapel here or some place that we can marry this guy? And this nurse, for some reason, didn't understand what I was saying. So she's like, no. Uh, and it was July 4th, so that all the doctors are gone, and you know, we're just going to try to keep him until the next day. It's like, no, we can't keep him the next day because he gets married in two hours. And when, they, when the nurse found that out, they all panicked, and then all of a sudden they're like making phone calls and getting the right medicine. When they realized that there's a deadline, Suddenly, everything, they just work so much harder. And as Christians, we understand, we actually know that death is going to happen. We just don't know when that is going to happen. So it's a call for us to live a life that's that's with wisdom, to live for the glory of God. Ephesians 5 tells us to redeem the time for the days are evil. So how can we redeem the time in our life? For some of us, that just simply means we need to get off our smartphones, For others, it means we watch less TV. Others maybe spend less time shopping or whatever. And we need to do more things that have eternal significance. For some, it might be making disciples. You're investing in younger believers or you're investing in non-believers. You're doing things that have eternal significance, knowing that one day your life is going to come to an end and you need to give an account for your life. Understand that your life is going to end one day. And that should propel you to live life to its fullest for the glory of God. Knowing that your life will end will make you work towards one particular goal, and that is to do all things for His glory. Now, Not only does knowing the quality of life and the end of life can help us live the rest of our lives up to the absolute fullest with the fear of the Lord, but lastly, we need to look at the emptiness of life If you want to live out the rest of your life to its fullest while being under the fear of the Lord, we must realize that life is empty. So, our last point, the emptiness of life. Verse 17. So I hated life, for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me, because everything is futility, striving after the wind. This portion ends in a very bleak way. Upon trying to live life without God, he ends up being so frustrated by the reality of death and the immediate doom of all that he has accomplished in life that he says that life is not worth living. He said he hated life. He said he hated life in general, not just his own life. He loathed the entire enterprise of the human experience and existence. All that he was able to do, all that all the time that he spent investing, all the things that he put his energy on, all the late nights planning, all the negotiations, all of the, the relationship connections that he tried to build, everything that he tried to accomplish, his little mini empire that he had in his life will end the moment he enters into eternity. The events of his life did not make sense to him. He despised, loathed, and hated all that he learned when he realized that there is death, and everything was empty to him. Although he said he hated life by no means, Solomon is showing any signs of repentance as well. In fact, realizing that you wasted your life just means that you're looking at the right direction. True repentance means that you realize, not only you realize that you wasted your life, but you start pursuing the Lord. You start pursuing things that does have eternal significance. Solomon sees all of this and is grievous to him, to the point where he states, again, that this is striving after wind. All the vast wealth that he has made for himself, all the pleasures that he's experienced, all the relationships that he enjoyed, all was a complete waste. Solomon hate, Solomon's hatred of life in general is, actually shows that he is, it's there because he's, he, of all people, is the apex of all pleasures and success. He did all of these things without God Solomon is now spiraling down into despair. Again, this is what happens if you do all things in life without God. If you try to pursue life without God being the center of your life, it is going to be absolute it's gonna bring you to absolute misery. Francosis Maraca, he's a Nobel Prize winner for literature in nineteen fifty two. This is what he said about life and death. You can't imagine the torment of having of having nothing out of life. And of having to look forward to nothing but death. Of feeling there is no other world beyond this one. That the puzzle will never be explained. Obviously the Bible contradicts that. The Bible offers hope. The Bible offers answers to what happens to life after death. The looming reality of death eclipses everything that he has accomplished in this life. There is no lasting gain. He looked around and saw nothing but hopelessness. It was depressing and despairing. Death is the final statement that we have absolutely no control over our life. There is only one who has ultimate control, and that is God. John Piper said, Only, only if God will do I live another minute. Therefore the Lord decides when I die. Solomon's outlook of his life and life in general makes perfect sense. It makes absolute perfect sense. If you live without God, there is no meaning which one leads to frustration and anger, because if you do things without God, that's the end. If you're like Solomon or even try to pursue his lifestyle without God, you will end up living a secular lifestyle. Now, Solomon, by all accounts, lived a secular life. You may wonder, what does that mean? Why, how is he living a secular life? And I've been saying this over and over again that Solomon, this, not just these days, these, these uh, weeks or months or years, but decades. He lived decades as, a, as, a, as someone that lived without fearing the Lord. And that's what secularism is. Isn't, secularism isn't living life without the acknowledgement of God. That's called atheism. Rather, secularism is an attempt to live life devoid of submitting to God. Solomon wasn't an atheist because he had many gods. He worshipped many gods as well as the true God. He acknowledged all of their existence in these moments of sin, but he chose, not to live, he chose to live without any desire to please any god but himself. And this is exactly how the world functions, right? The world wants spirituality, but they want to do it without any submission. And yet we see the danger... That can happen with people in this church secularism can happen in the context of a local church they can be praying they can be going to church they can do all of the religious activity but yet their hearts and the things that they love is not the lord the issue is is of the affections and how that affection for god dictates the direction of your life if you are here and you profess to be a Christian, but your lifestyle away from the church, away from other Christians that can see your true self, if it's different, then you're living a secular lifestyle. Your secular lifestyle uh, could be one way at church, but be totally different outside of the church. In fact, you might live so differently that, you, that to the world, it could be like any other false religion or an atheist. And if you continue to live life like that, you will conclude that life is is, is meaningless, and you'll end up having a hatred towards life. Christians, we must understand that everything about life is designed for us to look towards to God. Nothing in this life can fill that void. Nothing about your success will satisfy that. Emptiness is found in the world and in your own hearts. But if you live life with God, everything will have meaning. Again, the application for us is that in order for us to enjoy life, in order to overcome what Solomon struggled with, you must fear the Lord. You must have a a devotion and love for him. Without God, you will find that there is no true meaning in life. If all that Solomon pursued and achieved in life without God is empty for him, then it will be for all of us. The reality of death should give you perspective on how you're to live your life now. For most of us, we assume that death won't be soon. I read a book in the past uh, by Ian Murray, and he talked about the Billy Graham crusade. And why, is, why was Billy Graham so effective when he was preaching and doing all of his uh, evangelistic crusades? And he argued that it's because of the context that they were living in. This was after World War II. Death was everywhere. They saw a bomb take place uh, in Japan. They knew that there was this Holocaust in Germany. They saw so much death around them that it forced them to sober and think about what is there in this life? What hope is there? And Billy Graham did that. He kept talking about the hope that is in Christ and people believed because death was present. It was something that it was in their minds in their normal lifestyle. The Bible tells us to never assume that we'll have a tomorrow. As I study through this, and as we're studying through this book, this passage together, I can't help but just ask one simple question: that is, are you ready to die? The Bible gives us a simple and clear solution that's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only true son that gives us meaning under the sun. Worldly wisdom cannot give you the answers to life's biggest questions about death. The only one that can give us answers is God himself through the scriptures. It gives us not only the answers, but gives us assurance. Although there's no wisdom to be gained from life, the only wise and prudent thing a person can do to prepare for death is to believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior. I found this poem that kind of highlights, I thought it was just interesting the way that people think about death. If you imagine death and life as personified as two little individuals talking to one, another, this is what life asks death. Life asks, why does people love life and hate death? to which death responds to life. Life is a beautiful lie, and death is the ugly truth. Faith in Christ doesn't mean that you won't die, but it promises eternal life. I mentioned that life is not fair, but death is. But death doesn't have to be fair. It doesn't have to be fair because Jesus overcame death for us by dying for us. Due to our sin, we all deserve to die, but Jesus took the death that, was, that, that, that we deserve. That is not fair. But that is the wisdom of God. Wisdom, true wisdom, stems from and centers around God. And we find the crown jewel of God's wisdom in the gospel. The death of all things dies with Christ. Christ put to death all of the frustrations and disappointments in life because God redeems us. We can now enjoy life fully because we have Christ. We can pursue every endeavor in life and have liberty to have true and lasting meaning because we have him. We can now have purpose. We know what we're, who we live for and, why, and how to live a life that's filled with joy. Everything begins with the cross. If you're someone like Solomon who tried to live life without him and you end up being frustrated and hating life because of the reality of death, then the only hope for you is that hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And that's you today. If you have not placed your faith in him, will you receive him today? So you could finally not only enjoy life under the sun, but that you will have life that is to come in the future. For us believers... We know that we have a certain amount of time left in this earth. For some, it's just a few years. For us, for some, maybe just a few days or months, and we don't know. If you know that there is an end, how would you live out the rest of your life, knowing that there is an end? Should drive us to live faithfully and obediently to Him, because at some point, as great as as pleasurable as some things there are in this life, there's something so much greater for us in the next. And may we be Christians that understand the reality of death and long for a day where we can be with Christ for all of eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, life is indeed vain. Life is empty. Without you, Lord, nothing makes sense. And I pray for all of us that are believers that we remember that we count our days, that we know that there are there's going to be an end for this life, and may we use every single moment that we have to glorify you, to make yourself known to the world. Um, Lord, give us a greater um, ability to be introspective, and be mindful that uh, life is meaningless without you, but yet there's still joy in knowing that this as this short life will come to an end in light of eternity. Lord, for those who do not know you today, and for those in our lives that don't know you, I do pray that you can Use the reality of death to sober them, to make them realize that um, all of their pursuits is empty at the very end. Um, may your truth uh, ring well and true to all of our lives, and may we live a way, life that is pleasing to you through, through, through your word, Lord. Thank you for, your time, for the time that you've given us to study your word. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.